0: I want a hundred percent of the people who see my video Be able to click on it and enjoy it Every video that I upload I want at least something that would make any magic player be able to click it and enjoy it Right, that's my main focus a hundred percent of the magic audience Can click it and enjoy it growing up with YouTube. I feel like honestly, I'm one of the most highly qualified person to understand what makes a good YouTube video out of all the Magic players, because it's literally been almost my childhood, to be honest.
1: Harry, do you want to just introduce yourself? Maybe that's the best <laughs> way to to get this started. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'm Harry.
0: I guess you could say full-time Magic YouTuber, clickbaiter, innovator... <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Some people like to call me a, a decklist thief. You can find me stealing many different Magic players' decklists and giving credit, of course, to make content off of. Some people say I'm a Gabnessy follower, kind of, you know, used to do midweek game podcasts with Gabriel and C. Patch Robertson. Um, overall, just magic lover, I guess you could
1: say. Hold on. I want to I want to I want to go into two things you said. First of all, who is not a Nassif follower? Is there anyone that's actually not a Gabnessy follower or a fan of Gabnessy? I I like to know who that is.
0: Ooh, that's a good <laughs> point. I think I think I actually have received a, a few comments uh about how, you know, I think if someone hates control, they kind of see Gab as the face of the control players and maybe they'll put their anger onto him.
1: Okay, so they 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 might people might project onto Gav the yeah. thief all the things they hate about a particular defining archetype of magic. I get it. The other thing you said is just magic deck thief, like do, do people actually claim that people steal decks these days because I feel like there's no originality left in magic. Maybe that's like a whole other topic mm. in itself, but like how could you not steal or be inspired by someone else's decks? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just um I think a lot of uh, interested magic comes out of deck building nowadays because the typical net decker style phrase, you know, to, to label someone is quite more common than it used to be. Everyone's bringing what they think is the best deck to a tournament. Maybe FNM isn't as popular, so the most amount of content people are seeing is competitive content. Um, magic Online is highly competitive, so I think it's quite easy to be a deckless thief because you can identify who actually made the decklist that I'm playing, since not many people are original
1: nowadays. Yeah, for sure. What's the funnest deck you've stolen? You must have played a lot of decks in lots of formats, right? But is there anything that comes to mind? (sighs) The most fun deck I've stolen? I've definitely... I think the thing that
0: surprises people the most is Vintage. So I have a lot of fun playing Vintage. Um, I think... Actually, my biggest break on YouTube and something I enjoyed the most was Coveted Jewel. I don't know if you know the card. It's a six-mana artifact. When it enters the battlefield, you draw three cards and it taps for three mana of any color. That doesn't sound like something that would be good in Vintage, but turns out when you have something like Mishra's Workshop that taps for three for artifact mana and you're playing Black Lotus and Grim Monolith, you can cast Coveted Jewel turn one. You play Phyrexian Metamorph, you play Paradoxical Outcome, you can recast it, flicker it. ghostly flicker copy with metamorph whatever i think that was not only probably my favorite deck choice but definitely something that got a lot of eyes on my channel
1: yeah was that the first video you did that got traction or was it just one of your favorite videos to do so that video was my first big video i remember i
0: actually uploaded it and then went to the legacy event in paris to go see could to actually go stay with a uh, gab gab Nassif. and it was doing really well when i uploaded it and then when i was in paris i wasn't uploading videos but my youtube channel was still getting like 5000 views a day which was like a big deal at the time is that video was getting 5k a day and i actually there was um a plane ticket mix up cuz i i didn't book my plane tickets um someone else booked my plane ticket for me and there was miscommunication so I just stayed five days extra in Paris, and over those five days, I got like 25,000-30,000 views on my channel, and all of them was on the Coveted Jewel video. I was thinking, oh, wow, that's that was a big deal at the time, and it actually opened my eyes, because the title of that video is something along the lines of, this Commander card is breaking vintage, because at that time, the Coveted Jewel deck was good, but only... Th- like, around then, was it really top-hating the challenges because it was actually bugged on Magic Online? Coveted Jewel has this weird r- wording at the bottom. I did describe it. You draw three cards when it's the battlefield. You can tap it for three mana. But it says, if an opponent would attack you and you don't block, or it's worded weirdly, if an opponent would attack you and one at least one of their creatures aren't blocked, they take the jewel and they draw three cards and they untap it. And it was bugged on Magical Line where it it did not have to be. Uh, if you blocked all of your opponent's creatures, they would steal the jewel, is what I'm trying to say. So it was meant mm. to be if you block all your opponent's creatures, they wouldn't get the jewel. But the bug on Magical Line, if you attack with anything, they steal the jewel and untap it. So you could not play it in a challenge because um, it couldn't be anyone who just played like a Snapcaster Mage or something, even if you could block. So around then it blew up. I did the commander title, and I think that video got about 70,000 views. Uh, and it that to me is like the pivotal point when I was like, okay, I need to focus on uh, specific things. I guess
1: if we're going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, at the risk of backtracking a little bit, like how did you even mm. decide to get into YouTube in the first place? Oh, wow. So. I think I started streaming on Twitch when I
0: was... 17, 18. I'm 22. So I think I started streaming about four years ago. At that time, um, rental services on Magical Line weren't too popular. And I was just about to go into university. I bought um, Blue Eye Control on Magical Line. I just won... Um, my town, uh, Reading Town in the UK, we don't really have magic tournaments. We have an FNM, but there was a guy in my town who had a friend in a town nearby that owned an online card store. So they actually managed to get this online card store to organize a big tournament. I think like 100 people, 150 people turned up, which is huge. My FNM gets like eight people. So I actually won that with Blue Light Control, used that money. To buy a magical line and then i started streaming um and then at that time youtube seemed really underdone in the magic category and i still think it's really underdone so i was like okay gonna rip no doubt i'm gonna make my twitch channel my my original idea is my twitch channel is actually a live youtube so at that time i was doing youtube introductions at the start of the stream i go hello youtube welcome to my channel don't forget to like and subscribe whatever then i would play and every round i'd say okay back for the second round back for the third round and i'd kind of use twitch chat as a live youtube comment section stuff like this so that was kind of my first logic be twitch and make it like youtube live and i did that honestly till for like two and a half three years up to uh, 20. Well, just after the coronavirus, um, lockdown restriction ended in the UK, and then I had a break because I was doing a master's degree in uh, maths. And then just recently, after the degree, literally like eight months ago, I was like, okay, full time magic.
1: So you got your math degree, and now you're like full time magic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, there. there you know at university when
0: you do math they say um oh you can go into any company like do whatever you want with the degree um desirable
1: skill set all that right yeah yeah
0: but the options are quite boring i mean the my my best friend who, who has the same degree as me is doing pension transferring and he just he just kind of looks at emails all day and he sees how much money you have I don't know how it works in China, but in the UK, if you go throughout your life working, a lot of jobs have like pensions that they take off your pay. So maybe over the course of six jobs, you'll be in four different pension funds. So he just groups them together, tells you how much maybe you lost, how much you charged. I mean, it's like so, so boring. Mm -hmm. Um, He does get some funny stories out of how like you'll hear one recently. I'll try not to give too much of the details because I don't try to anonymize it right yeah basically this two brothers sold a massive company in uh, a sort of building vehicles style company they're like building these vehicles they sold the company for like 60 million and they split it 50 50 because they're brothers and both brothers went to this company because they have an investment section and one invested they both invested 10 million pounds One brother left it in for a year, and the other brother, oh, what did he do? He, like, he he said they were, like, emailing him every day, like, give me updates on my investment. And then he just randomly, after two months, pulled it all out, had to pay, like, two million pounds in, like, taxes and whatever, because it was, like, locked away in some tax accounts, burned two million quid, and the other brother made, like has made so far like 8% on the 10 million he put in. You just hear like these stories of people burning cash and like whatever. So I guess you do get that type of story out of it. I, I messed that up big time, but my, my friend <laughs> can recite it like, you know, it's the back of his hand. No,
1: that was fine. That was fine. I mean, uh, even with stories like that, I'm sure his, your friend's job is not as exciting or stimulating as getting like 5,000 <laughs> views on a YouTube video or just like seeing things yeah. like unexpectedly come up, right? I mean, that is something unexpected, but it's like someone else's life that comes up unexpectedly. So it's different. But what was it like those two, three years streaming? Like, it takes quite a bit of commitment to mm. to stream, no?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think um, at magic streaming is interesting because the thing that's really awkward is I feel like, well, I don't know. I actually started to dislike streaming because... Something for YouTube is a big deal, it's making mistakes, in it, uh, like a big mistake, let's say you make a fundamental mistake in the game, maybe, I don't know, block a 2-2 two, two, on a 3-3 three, three, thinking your 2-2 two, a 3-3 three, three or something, just complete chump blocking, whatever. It's really like disheartening, because it kind of ruins the YouTube video. YouTube tells you when people click off a video, and like, when, you know, someone didn't like it or whatever. And it's like, for me, my big thing is YouTube actually... I would argue that the magic YouTube makes more money than magic Twitch. And for me, a big deal was growing my magic YouTube. It really frustrates me if I was like, um, live on Twitch, the YouTube video messed up, kind of just ruins everything. So the mentality on Twitch was a lot worse for me because I want to make my YouTube videos as best as possible. And if it's live you know, and you got your live reaction or whatever, it didn't it didn't feel so great. So it definitely requires a lot of effort. And I have a lot of respect respect for streamers like Aspiring Spike, sit there all day, playing brews, have to answer the same generic question every 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you got people giving you deck lists from like 2005, asking if it's viable in 2023. Mm-hmm. So stuff like this, like, it takes a lot of effort and patience, which is something that, you know, I'm not perfect with, especially when I was like 18, 19, there are some clips of me raging really hard. Um, A a big pressure, actually, that a lot of people don't realize is that when you're hosting a podcast with Gabriel Nassif and he's top aiding a pro tour and a modern challenge every other week, you definitely want to try and at least put up some results. And there was a time where I was playing the modern challenge every weekend. I I wasn't doing great. And I think it didn't help because I won... I won a Pioneer Challenge, like, the second ever Pioneer Challenge when the format got released. I was like, okay, I'd like to do something again. And I ca- I think I lost, like, 2 winning ins like, in a month for the toppy. And that, like, there's a very famous clip of me, like, raging, uh, saying, like, you know, F magic, I hate this mm-hmm. game. Uh, and what I didn't realize is that Gabriel Nassif had my stream up with, like, a thousand people watching. <laughs> oh, and they're man. all kind of laughing at me, raging and whatnot. So there are definitely... You know some highs and lows from Twitch. Uh, there, there are some bad moments clipped.
1: Let's let's put it in perspective, though, right? Because like basically at seventeen, eighteen, you were already performing in front of like thousands, if not more, people live, and you were already playing Magic at a high level. Because I, I've seen some of your Magic gameplay, and I know you like to say you have casual gameplay, but I mean you're 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 a decent Magic player. Like I mean, I, I guess everyone is a casual player compared to. A Gavna Seifer or somebody like mm. that. But you're, you're pretty good at magic. You're probably like in the upper percentile in the world at magic, I dare say. Or I guess anyone who's really logged into magic online probably already is, right? And, and I'm just thinking about when I was 17 or 18, I barely knew how to talk. So <laughs> I, I put it in perspective you, you're doing incredibly well for your age, like right now and also three, four years ago. That, that's kind of why I wanted to talk to you. You also figured out something super early on, which is like to actually make content for YouTube as you're doing Twitch. I actually feel like a lot of people still haven't figured that out. And it's 2023, like I've talked to a Mm -hmm. lot of people who are like, I should have done YouTube like X years ago, but now they're kind of captive by doing Twitch, if that's like, maybe that's too strong a term, but I, I, I feel like you figured something out early on. Like, how did you figure that out? Like, were you just very intentional from the beginning? Like, I want to do YouTube, or what was it?
0: Um, I think a big inspiration. I don't know if you're aware of him is Ludwig, the
1: Twitch streamer. Oh, He's absolutely, over, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, Ludwig's huge. Yeah,
0: yeah. His his logic actually was exactly that. I'm going to make a Twitch channel.
1: I'm going to use YouTube to move people over to my Twitch. Because um, Twitch discoverability is shit. So it's like he was yeah. using he was using YouTube to funnel. Uh, maybe it's the other. Yeah, I guess he was using YouTube to funnel into Twitch. And or yeah, maybe he was, also yeah. Twitch into YouTube. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's vice versa. And that, that's what's so strong about it. You know, when you're not live on Twitch, no one knows you're a Twitch streamer. When you've got a YouTube video, at least someone's seeing it every, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. So yeah. that's where you got your inspiration from. Yeah, definitely. At the start, Ludwig was a big one just kind of having a youtube addiction actually I, I i i feel like i'm in the right age where i rem- i remember i lived in canada for 10 years for, or 11 years from like 1 till 11 and when oh, i was sorry
1: in- right. i'm i'm actually canadian by the way i've lived in china for 10 years but i grew up in canada huh. so yeah. oh okay yeah no
0: exactly i lived in um oakville near toronto i don't okay. know if you know
1: but, i i um, know of oakville i've never actually been yeah. there but i've definitely been to toronto yeah
0: yeah Yeah. and when i was young we obviously had a tv and some computers but my dad had like this computer in the basement that was like i don't even know maybe like a boiler room and it was like connected to the tv and sometimes he would like put a youtube video on the tv but it back then youtube actually to be honest was kind of like porting really old tv shows onto the tv or like watching highlights You know, you weren't really getting news. So maybe like 10, 11, I was aware of YouTube and interested in it. And then moving to the UK, we had, I was moving around the country, like, while my parents tried to find work. And, um, you know, you use YouTube. The DS was really popular then. You could get YouTube on the DS, DSI, um, stuff like that. So, you know, growing up with YouTube, I feel like, honestly, I'm one of the most highly qualified person to understand what makes a good youtube video out of all the magic players because it's literally been my ch- almost my childhood to be honest and my teenage years
1: mm-hmm. and i know i know he gets way he gets referenced way too much these days so i apologize but it's almost like that mr beast kind of like <laughs> studying how videos are done and just like and maybe maybe like as a consumer you already like like it's in your blood right like it's basically people in your Oh, man, I, I'm old. So I'm just going to say people in your generation <laughs> just like grew up with YouTube, right? Like I grew up in an era where there was no like internet even. I still remember like the 90s when there was no internet and you were not mm-hmm. even alive back then. But, uh, you know, ICQ just came out. But anyways, I'm, I'm just I'm I'm totally going to get off my lawn right now. Um, but just like growing up for you, growing up like in YouTube, like, you know, like it's in your blood, right? You know how to make like, you know, what's entertaining, which is what I found in your in your magic videos is like. The reason why your video is so captivating is because they're really not magic YouTube videos. They're just YouTube videos that happen to be about magic. Mm. you say that's fair? Yeah. I mean, the thing that I've actually taken from
0: Mr. Beast because I actually watched him when he had less than 100,000 subscribers
1: because he started in a Was it when he was, here. like, counting to, like, X number? Is that, yeah, that yeah. back then? Okay, yeah. That was there was crazy. that. But, he did, yeah. like,
0: he did, like, a reading the dictionary from the start to the end. He did all this crazy stuff actually went quite big in, like, my area of YouTube, like, the young, crazy YouTube stage. But, um, what is it? Mr. Beast, his logic is, I want 100% of the people who see my video be able to click on it and enjoy it. And I think a lot of thing that magic players miss, let's take, uh, just, like, any channel command zone do this the best actually i would say command zone is a channel that on average any magic player can enjoy it because everyone understands commander and it's presented really well however if you take the average f person who goes to fnm let's say it's a drafter a drafter is never going to care about someone optimizing blue red murktide and modern for the 74th cyborg card you know so what i've tried to do is every video that i upload i want at least something that would make any magic player be able to click it and enjoy it right that's my main focus a hundred percent of the magic audience can click it and enjoy it
1: It, it's clickbaity in the best way right
0: (laughs) yeah i get a lot of criticism about my content being clickbait or maybe misleading um i can agree to some extent i mean i am trying to make you look at my video and click but you have to realize that when my videos put on youtube it's not next to every magic creator i'm next to let's say mr beast i'm next to i don't know bbc news i'm literally next to every youtube channel you can think of that's in the recommended page i'm if i'm there i'm next to them and i have to draw your attention better Uh, i try I try to make key words and word things so that if you've watched my channel before, you know what the video is. I think the biggest criticism I get is if I do a video on the popper format, I just say like this six cent combo is insane. And people are like criticized like, oh you made it seem like a modern video, I'm not gonna watch this or whatever. You wouldn't have watched it anyways. I've got
1: your click. I've got your
0: comment. I've well, got your they, dislike. They, yeah,
1: they watched it, right? Because they. Yeah. How,
0: how can you comment it unless you're in the video, right? So it worked. Yeah, and I think that's something that actually makes my channel more discovered because at the end of the day, um, maybe someone who only cares about modern would click on it, watch it, and actually enjoy the popper format. And you've got to be you've got to be prepared for haters to have fans and. um Yes, you have to clickbait nowadays on YouTube to get views. I think there's no way to avoid it. If you want, if you want to not do clickbait, it does work in some cases, but uh, it's it's very difficult to survive in the gaming scene without at least some sort of misleading or at least exaggerated title. To but I think it's completely justified if your content is you know you've put effort into your content is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I I, I to- I'm totally with you. I feel like uh that's just a game you're in so if you're in the game don't complain about the rules right it's like i wouldn't play magic and complain that there's an upkeep uh during mm. my turn like that's just a that's just the game right and also yeah. i think that um your videos sure i mean the titles might be uh what they are but the but you're not you're not untruthful, right? It's like it's like in the end, you're still even if I clicked on it on your video because I like one of nothing. I want to see you play with it. It's a it's a dredge or discard deck, so it's it's aligned with what the the title is. Um, and if you didn't title it that way, like you said, maybe ninety nine percent of Magic players wouldn't even click on it. Like if you if you just said this is an Asmo League or something, like that's just so boring. Like who's gonna click on it, right? So. I don't know. Yeah, I I feel like the end justifies the means as far as YouTube is concerned. And I also feel like we shouldn't be too caught up in these like principles or be high and mighty about how we achieve our aims. Like it is what it is, right?
0: Yeah, I think um, some people at the end of the day, no matter who you are, you like, let's take Mr. Beast, for example, if you you will always have someone who dislikes or disagrees or hates what you do. And it's either done through you know claiming that your title's clickbait or whatever you got to. I'm I'm used to it at this point. I, I've had way. Uh, I actually kind of laugh when someone says that my content is clickbait because it. You you've got to be completely desensitized to hate or you won't you won't be able to stay afloat on YouTube. You you will get hate even if you title your videos like, at ASMO League four two or four one or whatever. You, you will always get hate so. You know, no matter how you want to do your YouTube content, got got to be prepped for someone to kind of want to stomp on your foot or something.
1: Yeah. I also want to ask you, Harry, like on the technical side, how did you get so good with um, your YouTube videos, like with the cuts, the intros? Like Mm. the whole reason I I started discovering your content was because uh, Anurag Das said like, Hey, Harry, just like he tweeted one day, like Harry makes the best like magic YouTube videos full stop and I just started watching your stuff and I couldn't stop like how how mm. did you learn all like the technique of or the technical aspects of it A long long process you know um it's almost
0: similar to like cooking you can't you can't just go from nothing to like cooking whatever um I actually started doing intros this idea of a high quality intro started in the twitch to YouTube days I actually used to kind of take a screenshot of the magical line deck list and I would maybe have it like fade in on the screen and talk about and I would have cards like just like pop up on the screen and stuff when I talked about them and it slowly and slowly gotten better. And when I actually became full time eight months ago, I said to myself, OK, every video, I'm going to do a new editing technique. I'm going to try something different. I'm going to see if people like this song or or, or that effect or this sound effect or whatever. If you watch, like, a video from six months ago, you'll see sound effects and editing styles that maybe I don't use anymore because you just keep trying something new. If the video gets a lot of views, it's most likely not a coincidence. I think a big mistake on YouTube is thinking that um, videos going viral is a coincidence. It's generally not a coincidence. My most viral video is 160,000 views with the most casual deck you could theoretically think of that would fit in any of my style of competitive content. It's not a a coincidence. What is the most average player? Casual player? The editing on the video. The editing on the video is the first time I used a montage style song where I don't say anything and I make clips go with the beat. So the first time I do a very nice editing strategy with a very casual deck that anyone can enjoy with new editing styles went super viral. So it's stuff like trying things new every time, don't fall onto a train track system. A lot of YouTubers will get stuck at the same amount of views because their content is exactly the same. And that's mm. why.
1: Definition of insanity, right? Like do the same thing, expect a different result, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's so much easier said than done. I mean, it, I just mm. feel like for YouTube, you're constantly pushing the the envelope. And it sounds like from what you said earlier that you really studied the metrics, like where the watch drops off and things like that. And you really try to figure out like, how do I make this more engaging or have a longer watch time and stuff like that, right?
0: Yeah, I think um, a big a big thing actually early on was what people were doing is I, I obviously can't say hand on heart, but I think a lot of casual players watch my content for the deck tech and a lot of uh, com- more competitive leaning players watch the whole video for the gameplay. Because I think only 80% of my viewers actually watch the introduction. So 20% of people skip straight to the gameplay, 80% watch the gameplay, and there's like a big drop-off. As soon as Magical Line comes on the screen, huge drop-off. So I was like,
1: how do
0: I I blend both? So that's why you see now, my most recent content, you'll see me pull up cards on the screen, like nice colours, proper explanations, highlighting things, because you lose attention really quick. As soon as you Mm. show magic gameplay, people just don't care. Um, So (laughs) that's why I'm like, I'm trying to make it seem like um, the whole video is a gameplay kind of integration. You'll see me use gameplay in the introduction now, cards pulling up in the, like everything like that. It's trying to make sure that you click on the video, you want to actually watch 100% of the video because, um, A lot of people, I've kind of been, you know, torn between what, what actually makes YouTube push a video. And a lot of people think if you like and comment on the video, it will make YouTube push the video. I actually disagree. I don't think liking or commenting does anything for YouTube to push the video. I think what makes YouTube push the video is obviously you click on the video, but it's actually the watch time. What does YouTube want someone to do on their website watch videos stay and if, on their website basically exactly so if youtube sees a, you one of your viewers click your video but only watch one minute of a 10 minute video yeah, that's, that's like, actually that's bad for good. their website right so mm-hmm. they they will i would assume would show it to less people so nowadays i actually never ask for a like or comment at all i, I used mm. to ask it all the time the only thing I care about is subscribe because if you click the subscribe button, that means you will click a future video. If you are willing to subscribe to me, you click a future video. I actually want to be in your sub box. I don't care about like, don't care about comment. It's mm-hmm. subscribe and actually watch the whole video. I think makes a viral... Yeah.
1: I, I think you're right. Like, like and subscribe, uh, like and comment are just so secondary. I'm sure they matter somewhat like in terms of signal, but I it's not the dominant signal for sure. Like, t- like hundred percent, it's gotta be the watch time or like something else. Right. As you said, so mm. you're so analytical and intentional with YouTube videos. Like, are you like this in other parts of your life too? Is it, is it with magic? <laughs> is it with like other things? Is it with math? Is it with other parts of your life? Or are you just like super deep into YouTube for some reason and nothing else? Um, I think it just comes from
0: magic, right? You know playing magic from a semi young age kind of taught me that in every spot that you're in there generally is a best decision that you can make no matter if luck is involved you know when you put let's say Reed duke in the finals of the pro tour and he's mulliganed down to three he's not going to concede he's going to make the best decision you can possibly make with three cards that's exactly what i try to do you know you can argue there's an element of luck to youtube but then how come you know i've been able to climb from four thousand subscribers to however many in six months in the magic category which is arguably quite a small category you got to make the best decision that you believe in that's kind of how i look at it rather than um an analytical sense it's more just philosophy from magic i think and trying to be a competitive magic player do i do it anywhere else in life i don't think so <laughs> i'm quite i'm actually quite lazy outside of youtube i mean i'm in a lazy I what, once a month I feel very lazy. And it's actually hit me recently. I haven't uploaded a YouTube video in five days. Um so I, I get these kind of uh you overwork <laughs> and then you yeah. just bomb out and that's yeah. how I've been. So um I wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm super analytical outside. I'm I'm a very logical person, I think. Yeah, maybe I'm. At, yeah, I'm analytical. Sure, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's inspiring, man. I do believe also that there's not really that much luck involved with YouTube. Like, you take shots <clears throat> at posting videos, and some people grow faster than others. But ultimately, the quality determines where you end up. And I think, um, sure, maybe maybe the luck is like, do I get hundred twenty thousand views instead of like hundred thousand views on my video? But if it's a high quality video, and people watch it, and people talk about it, people share it it's got to go somewhere. Right. I think, I think for the most part, I do believe that vi- YouTube is fairly, what's the word meritocratic. Yeah. Like it, it, you know, input your hard work determines uh, what happens, right? Sure. There's the person that gets super lucky or I shouldn't say that. Like, cause I interviewed, um, Spice eight rack, uh, how did you find overnight success in YouTube? And after talking about it, we realized it wasn't overnight success. It was like all these things that he did in the past as a performer, it was like years and years of like doing other things that were adjacent to YouTube and the craft as it were, that actually made him become an overnight success in YouTube. So I, I don't, I don't think, even if you're the person that uploaded one YouTube video and it blew up, there's probably something to it and it's not just random luck. Right. So,
0: yeah, I think. Exactly what you said. I mean, if you upload a video that you wouldn't watch 100% the way through, why would you expect other people to watch it? And that's why I'm actually focusing on 10-minute Magic videos, because I would not watch more than 10 minutes of a Magic video. And I think if you upload a two-hour league on Magic Online, it it really loses people's interest. And that's what I'm focusing on, uploading a video that I personally would want to watch, because why would I upload something I, I wouldn't enjoy?
1: someone else did so harry what are your goals when it comes to youtube do you have any future goals in mind um i think the biggest goal to work towards
0: is the hundred thousand subscriber mark on youtube because they give you the silver play button that would be what i'm working hoping to potentially achieve there are some ways to look at projected statistics and it seems to be i could get a hundred thousand subscribers in just over a year but
1: I don't really know. That's assuming your current content trajectory—like you crank out the same high-quality videos, if not higher-quality videos, on a regular basis, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Right now, I'm getting about five thousand subscribers a month, so it kind of makes sense. Maybe I'm—I get keep getting five thousand. Maybe I'll get a bit more and a bit more. Maybe if I get 6,000, you know, that's looking to be, like, what, over 70,000 subscribers in 12 months if you average, like, 6,000 subscribers a month, something like that. So, you have to get a lot of subscribers to get 100,000. I never really thought it would be that difficult, but it is really, really hard uh, to get, you know, you you have to... Right now, I'm getting about 150 subscribers a day, and that, that that's something that I never thought would be possible, but that's not even enough to get 100,000 subscribers in a year. Like if my channel was at zero and I was getting 150 subscribers a day, that's not even enough to get in a year. So, yeah, it's tough to get 100,000, but that that would be my big goal.
1: That's insane. I mean, Yeah. yeah, so I actually follow a popular YouTube channel with a million subscribers and they were saying that in the last month or two, they hadn't uploaded anything, but they were still getting reasonable growth. So I'm just wondering for you at your stage, when you have 20, 24, 25K subs, do you just get, it sounds like you do, but in order for you to get to your goal of 100K, you have to create more videos so that the growth happens more quickly. Is that how it works? Yeah, I
0: monitor this actually. Um, when I upload a, so YouTube tells you how many views you've had in the past 48 hours. And if I upload a video every other day, I will get 40,000 views a day. But when I stop uploading, I'll get good views for two days after the video, obviously, because that first video takes two days. And then it just completely plummets and I get 10,000 views a day over all my videos. So, and that will depreciate. YouTube videos die really fast in the magic category. I don't know about others, like science channels, for example. You know, um, I don't know, science video on how do planes crash or whatever that will always get views because generally that doesn't change. But what does change is people's interest or maybe they know about a modern deck or whatever. There's not good rewatchability, And I think actually a magic video kind of dies after two days. I I, I think it's really bad in the magic category. I don't know why just die so fast.
1: I don't know if this is something you ever thought about, but does it make sense then to do non magic videos to, get to your 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 numbers goals right because maybe different categories of things have different or you're just so passionate about magic content and you want to keep it on brand that you want to just keep doing it this way i think it's just the
0: easiest choice for me right now i'm making a decent amount of money um i've got a very good method i've got a good team of people that help me select decks and stuff i think kind of be a waste wasted opportunity especially since like the big thing for me now is not getting a job is fortunately I'm making a bit more money than my friend who is doing the pension transfers. And YouTube is a job where, you know, obviously your pay can go down exponentially, but it can also go up. And as long as the numbers are good and things are going well, I'm enjoying myself. I'm going to keep trying to try at it for the YouTube. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the the 100,000 goal is not like life or death for me. I don't, I don't mind if I don't make it there. Kind of, it's just me seeing where I can go with this, you know. I'm in a pri- privileged
1: position to be able to play Magic and make decent money from it. I'm just kind of rolling with it till it dies. Is that also why you've decided to become more behind the scenes? This is kind of a topic shift into the podcast, mm. right? Like, I think you recently said something about... Wanting to be more behind the scenes, or maybe continue to stay on as an editor, but maybe not in front of the microphone. I mean, that's kind of a weird metaphor, I guess, because people don't necessarily see you unless it's a video podcast. But mm. um, but to not be front and center is that is that also part of it? Is just like wanting to focus more on YouTube or other pursuits?
0: Um, I stepped down from the Midweek Metagame Game podcast just because it's really hard to balance so many projects, and um, I think that the podcast scene in Magic is very difficult, and with me not really playing tournaments, and you know, not really playing the side of Modern or Pioneer that they're, you know, Pat and Gab are talking about, I just felt kind of out of place on Midweek Metagame. Definitely think that my time is more well spent just editing the podcast for them, and focusing on my content, and also just downtime. I mean, YouTube videos take a long time to make, and making a YouTube video during the day and having to record a podcast the edit the podcast was a definitely rough on the Tuesdays or Wednesdays we recorded.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And it's also so interesting, like when YouTube is so fast paced and instantly you get feedback to then have a podcast where it's a lot more how do I say, like a lot more analog, like it's a lot more traditional. It's like you record something, you don't know how many people listen to it. You kind of do, but you need to wait for numbers to come back. There's no like immediate feedback as when you're streaming or uploading a video. Like, uh, it, it sounds like you, you started podcasting first, right? Uh, before doing YouTube.
0: Um. Yeah, I actually, before I, oh, I don't even know. My first podcast was actually with two people from my FNM. Um, in my town, Reading, we used to have, like, two or three cars I would drive to the PPTQs that used to be nearby, and, um, me and my friend Josh and Alvaro, us three, started a podcast that went for a while, but they were both two guys with full-time jobs, and I was a student streaming on Twitch part-time, so that podcast kind of fell through, and then it was actually Pat, Patrick Robertson, who kind of was friends with me at the time we met through twitch chat he said look if you want to do a podcast every Monday I mean I'm I'm free you know at that time he was just uh, married no kid so him and I started after two episodes <laughs> gab actually messaged us and was like where was my invite because we met through <laughs> gab's right. ch- twitch chat yeah so then we were like okay gab do you want to be on the podcast then he was like yeah so then, I think it's like episode three of Midweek Metagame, Game, or maybe episode four. I don't quite remember. Gab joined the squad, and then from then, it that was like th- three years ago. From then, we did loads and loads of episodes, but it's only been very recent. I felt like left out because I, I just don't. I don't. I don't play competitively anymore compared to them. Just kind of f- f- feel almost left out.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're 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 busy with other other things like making, um, awesome YouTube videos. And, uh, I do want to ask you though, cause you've done so many, so you've done so many episodes of the podcast. Like, are there things that you would, that are particularly memorable that you would take away? Like maybe lessons learned if that's, I don't know if that's like too heavy handed a term, but just, just looking back on that, I, you guys have done what, like over 150, 160 episodes, like w- mm. what, what's that experience been like, what did you learn? Um what did I learn? Honestly, I think that
0: midweek metagame was more of like a passion project, like good competitive uh support. Like if you want to be a competitive player, you have to like reflect or speak about deck lists or at least something. So kind of having just, you know, three dudes that wanna talk about magic every week competitively, it's how you get better, right? You got to listen to people disagreeing with you, agreeing with you. Um, maybe public feedback was somewhat useful as well. That was more like helping me become a better competitive player rather than content creator.
1: Interesting. So it's almost like, I mean, obviously you're talking to two people who are very good at magic as well. So it's, it's just it's almost helping you become a better player. It more, more than like, I learned something from doing the content, but it was just more like an opportunity every week to, to discuss strategy and, and share ideas. That's what it sounds like. Right?
0: Yeah, exactly. It was something at, at that time when we started the podcast, my logic was if you count your viewer bases, like a tree, you want as many roots from the bottom of the tree to kind of get new viewers. So, it was, it was something along this lines that I wanted as many forms of content as possible that I'm producing. But now I'm so focused on YouTube. I think that it doesn't really apply anymore because YouTube's discoverability is, is so good.
1: What's it like to podcast with Gab Nassif? Hmm. is good. I mean, literally
0: every week, one, one Facebook message, like I played pioneer this week and some legacy I, Whatever, hop on, talk. He'll criticize you or agree, and then say goodbye and leave. <laughs> I, I think there wasn't much preparation to the podcast. Really, every week we kind of just send one or two Facebook messages. Can you do tomorrow? Yes. What did you play? That that kind of thing. Hop on, talk, leave. That's that that's how it rolled for a long time. I kind of would share my ideologies with Gab on like what I think he should do with his content after the stream. We talked about some things with his Twitch. YouTube, stuff like this, that side of things was fun, but nothing more than just, you know, average friendship. I think a lot of people, there's two things that I find interesting about the public, like some people's opinions on pro players. One is that they think every card in their hand is um, solid gold and they'll always have the nutted cards. And another thing is like they think there's some sort of these like robot non-humans that are really hard to be friends with. But at the end of the day, Gab is just a really good friend of mine. Stayed at his house. He is a normal human being. He does things that everyone else does, you know. So, just just people, really. It's it's a fun time, and there's nothing stopping you, kind of doing your own thing with your friends. It doesn't even have to be a podcast. You can just, you know, come every week, talk about magic, and leave.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm sort of asking you because this is a this is a podcast in itself. But I did have like so many different interactions with Nasif over the years. I interviewed him for Humans of Magic like a couple years ago. Um, he and I always have always been friendly. Uh, I guess we might've like met once or twice, but mostly on the internet and, um, he's always been super nice about just helping me with stuff, whether it's like, Hey, I'm going to interview Harry. Can you tell me more about Harry or just random things? Right. I think he's, um, at least for me, he always sound, he always seems like the same guy all the time. Like it's the same guy that mm-hmm. that's on the stream, that's on the podcast, that's, um, that's that I'm facebook messengering with is that even a, a verb anyway facebook messaging with um so yeah that that i'm glad to hear that's also kind of been your your experience too so yeah
0: i think what was it recently when i stayed with him in paris it just felt like the perfect life you know he wakes up do you want to stream yeah <laughs> eat food <laughs> stream get off go to the shops come back stream whatever yeah. It is literally Gab's life. He wakes up, eats a bit of food, goes live, goes offline, goes buy something, or goes for a walk. Comes back, streams. He's living the life.
1: Yeah, yeah, just, um, just, just living magic, essentially, right? I guess you both are, but I, in your own different ways. So,
0: yeah, yeah, I, actually, yeah.
1: What about your other uh, host, Pat? I mean, uh, I guess this kid is a little bit older now because you guys started when he was just a. A new dad but like what's the experience been like uh podcasting with him or you or you guys are i guess you guys have been friends for a long time so it's, maybe it's just hanging out more than anything right
0: yeah i've never met i've never met pat in person actually really um okay yeah even though he's in the uk he's australian but lives in the uk he lectures at the university of cambridge i think for chemistry um But things have never lined up. There was one event I was meant to go to that he was going to. There's a big company in the UK called Axion now that hosts big events. And I think he went to one and I couldn't go. But no, never met in person. Yeah, we started together, obviously. And he had his kid, I would say, around episode 70?
1: Oh, okay. So it's it's not like at the very beginning.
0: I get you. Nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast is older than his kid. So there used to be a time where he would have to hold his kid in one hand and do the podcast kind of like pat. You would hear him like actually like patting his back. Like we'd have to do like cry breaks and stuff like this. It was it was definitely an interesting time, but no, yeah. He's a great guy. Really, really, really smart. I've listened to some of his chemistry stuff outside of the podcast. So I'm just like
1: you know, too much science um, for me. <laughs> he might say the same about you and math or YouTube or something else, right? Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> he's at a different level of smart. Trust me. He knows like he shoots like
0: rays out of a diamond and all these crazy things. So
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also want to ask you a bit about your your background. Um, mm. So you mentioned that you're, you, you lived in Canada before, oh, by the way, I'm on the, I, live, I grew up on the West Coast, so I, I don't know Toronto as well. I grew up on, on, in Vancouver, but, um, but you, you grew up in, Van, in, in Canada and your parents um, then moved the family to the UK. So are you actually from the UK and then you moved to Canada? Because I, I can't tell, I, I guess from your, your accent, you're, you, you're like born and raised in the UK. Is that what it was? All over the place. So I was actually born
0: in the UK for like, don't know how old I was, but almost as a baby, went to Canada, lived there for 10, 11 years, and then moved back to the UK. What's actually funny is I'm, I actually lived near the hospital I was born in, by coincidence. Just my dad got a job near the hospital I was born in, which is surprising. Um, my dad's from Singapore. That's where the Chinese side comes from my my mm-hmm. my dad's side of the family is chinese and my mom is like uh was born in the u k my dad met her at university
1: oh okay while while they were going to school uh while yeah. while, while he was going to school at least yeah or both
0: yeah i'm i'm very into chinese culture i guess you could say i actually um because obviously YouTube is such a very um New, new area. Yeah. I, I make sure that it's not the only thing that I do. So I actually take Mandarin class twice a week, private private tuition to make okay, sure how, I have
1: something. How how good is your Mandarin? Uh well Hui I Yeah, it's pretty good. So how long have you been taking the lessons for? Uh Liogo Yue. I gotta translate this for actual listeners. So six months, I believe, is what you said, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay, yeah. okay. That, that's uh, awesome. So, so you did you don't, you guys don't speak Mandarin in at home, or it's, or it's just, it just switched to English really at a really young age, or what?
0: My dad doesn't speak any Mandarin. I just kind of started it as a side project. I I have a very close friend uh, in Taiwan. Actually, he he came to university in the UK made friends with him last year and i Mm -hmm. started to study chinese as like on my own it's like a fun little hobby so i did like a year of like reading like learning random phrases whatever i wasn't very good and then i got a tutor um six seven months ago just twice twice a week um yeah I, I like to kind of go to the supermarket and speak with people stuff like this try and actually learn Mandarin because i'm maybe looking at like going to beijing there's a good uh scheme to teach english over in china for like six months to a year mm-hmm. kind of have backup options really because i don't think youtube lasts forever no matter who youtube is bound to die or some or magic Either yeah. or or my career, one of those three is bound, literally a hundred percent likely to happen. Magic could die on YouTube, my channel could die, or YouTube can lose popularity or monetization. One of the three will happen, so I want to have some backup plans. But <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, I, I never heard that. Like, I, I I know having backup plans is good, but I highly doubt YouTube is going away for the next fifty years. Um, and I highly, I also highly doubt magic will go away for the in the next 50 years. But hey, I, I, I might eat my words. So I, you never know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's just having a backup. I mean, also my sanity.
0: I don't know how long I can play Magic and 100% pursue it because it, it is so difficult to come up with a new idea like every two days and then do it for like three years. It, it, to me, I think it's it's going to become a bit repetitive at some point or something like this.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you're going to have to become like one of those professional comedians that pays someone to write jokes for them. And only they're like generating <laughs> content for you. Uh, I guess it's hard because you have to make the content, right? <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Well, it um, might feel like that at some point, I might just have aspiring spike on my payroll and just, he brews up a deck for me every two days.
1: Oh yeah. I was going to ask you, have you, so have you uh, gotten into Chinese magic cards at all? Cause like I'm in China and you can get simplified and even traditional Chinese magic cards all the time. So have you, have you started, um, collecting and reading Chinese magic cards yet. I haven't, but when I go to Chinese,
0: uh, sorry, when I go to magic events, there are Chinese people there. So I actually just go up and like, uh, speak with them. Um, but uh, no, actually, I've actually had a few Chinese people try to give me Chinese cards saying like, use these or whatever. But the most interesting thing is recently this week, a Chinese person messaged me saying, Hi, I've been stealing your videos to upload to a Chinese YouTube site and they've been <laughs> Oh, it's probably vid- Billy
1: Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Billy yeah.
0: Billy. And uh, they're asking me for copyright, for me to transfer copyright um, or give them rights to steal my content basically, so they can get paid. I, I looked it in, I was like, yeah, just take the money. Because they were- <laughs> My videos on Billy Billy are getting like 2,000 views a video. And I looked yeah. up and it's like, actually just $1. For two thousand views or like uh-huh. or maybe even less i don't even remember yeah yeah it's half a dot yeah i looked it up. it's like half a dollar converted for a thousand mm-hmm. views mm-hmm. i was like are there is it really gonna get that big i was like just just take it because he was like translating <laughs> stuff
1: and oh he you mean he was subtitling and doing stuff along with it
0: i i, I don't know because i don't have full access to billy billy because he sent me a link to the channel,
1: but I can't read really it. Alright, shoot me the link later. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll yeah. check it out and I'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's it was it was interesting. At least it's nice to know that it's good enough to be to, to be, be stolen. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I mean someone uh, I am glad people are like spreading the, 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 the word of like Harry MTG in China. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apart from that, no, not not too many efforts. I'm just kind also... of uh, Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think that's also because your videos are pretty accessible. So it's like, even if someone mm. doesn't understand English, they could probably just like enjoy it, right? Because magic players, you know how they are. We can, we can just read images. So Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah,
0: 100%. It, it definitely helps. I think being short as well makes it more manageable. But I'm interested to see if they can understand the way I talk because I feel like I do speak quite fast in the
1: videos sometimes. Mm. Okay, okay. That's awesome, man. I'm going to have to check out your your stuff on Bilibili as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's basically like the Chinese version of YouTube. There's different platforms, but I think that's I would say the the closest to it. And they have those bullet subtitles. I guess that really never took off in North America or in the West. But that stuff is crazy. Like, I always have to turn it off, but I I know a lot of Chinese audiences. are just really into having that on all the time. You know what I mean, right? I'm not sure. So when. When you watch a video, like the comments in Billy Billy, the comments are actually just scrolling across the screen, like into the video, right? Oh, wow. So they, they're actually just, they, they just look like people are just adding subtitles to the video. And they're just, when you have videos with a lot of comments, they just look like there's, a, there's always a sea of things just like swimming across the video. <laughs> so that's what I mean by the bullet comments. So Billy Billy actually innovated that, I believe. But that that's right. definitely not something that people in the West like ever experienced, but it's very common in China. So
0: yeah, I'm not sure it'd work on YouTube because there's so many bots nowadays spamming junk. So I don't,
1: I don't know if it would work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so about the learning Mandarin, like, has that been a, I mean, from the few sentences you spoke, it sounds pretty good. So is, is, has that been hard to, um, to pick up a language or has it been like pretty easy for you? Um, it's, def- it's definitely
0: helpful that I have. I-, I think I'm lucky in a sense that I just <laughs> pay someone <laughs> to come to my house twice oh, no, a week. Oh, no, no doubt. One on one instruction yeah. has
1: got to be the best, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so it-, it helps. I think the biggest thing is confidence. I'm not really. A... Something that is a big skill is, you know, I'm used to being embarrassed in front of a lot of people live, and I'm also used to hate. So. I don't, like a lot of Chinese, it's interesting because I, I've spoken to a lot of Chinese people in the street nowadays, I get kind of two responses, <laughs> people telling me, wow, your Chinese is so great, and people saying, what do you, I have no, I can't understand you, <laughs> yeah. so, so um, yeah, I think just having confidence really helps, and just also stealing, I mean, I steal deco- I steal phrases <laughs> as well, kind of. They try and make people speak with me. So I, I have methods. What's interesting is in the UK, I, I don't know if it's like people are quite shy to speak ch- Chinese to foreigners, but I just say, and then Do you
1: understand what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And then they will speak with me. So maybe, I don't know what I'll say, but I'll say like something and maybe they don't reply. And then I'll say, do you understand what I'm saying? And yeah. then they'll speak with me. Because I think there's a big, maybe... Chinese people get like, a oh, ni hao, I can speak Chinese, but so maybe <laughs> yeah, they yeah, think yeah. like I'm yeah. messing with them and then maybe that kickstarts it. But yeah, I've had some very awkward moments. Like I was speaking with someone in a restaurant and then he just said, ni shuo shemma and just didn't, mm. didn't speak. What
1: are you, what are you talking, what are you saying? Right? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then just like kind of
0: <laughs> not wanting to speak Chinese to me, it's just very awkward, but you just got to shrug it off, speak mm. with other people um kind of thing anything else interesting happen in chinese not really um no i think the coolest thing is when i came home from uh legacy barcelona there's a bus a shuttle bus that goes from heathrow to my town and it was I, i i actually came in late so i was trying to catch the last bus and it didn't show up apparently the bus driver got covid or something it's a very very sketchy canceled bus um and there was a chinese person who was also going to be on the bus and i used mandarin to kind of like book a taxi or share a taxi with them back by coincidence actually by coincidence is they live like two minutes away from me which is really unlike because i live in a really weird part of my town mm-hmm. so that kind of thing is cool just just having confidence to speak with people is a big deal i think that that helps.
1: I think it's also a cultural thing where um, Chinese folks might be more alien to like people just talking to them on the street. I feel like like because I kind of grew up. By the way, I, I I was born in Taiwan. I grew up in in Canada, so um, I, I definitely have seen different things culturally too. And mm. it's uh, the the reason why I say that is because like I, I think I think in Chinese culture you really don't really get approached by a stranger for almost any reason, unless they're asking you for money or they're asking for directions. If they're trying to like make conversation with you, it's usually very out of the ordinary. The other thing I'll say Mm -hmm. is that like, you know how there's those YouTube, uh, not YouTube, but just like TikToks or like small, small, short videos where like people just like talk to somebody on the street and like give them something like, uh, they're kind of, they're kind of cringe. Honestly, it's like, you know, like they, they say I need money. And then like people, like, they, they, there's, like, a random oh. act of kindness, and then they repay yeah. them with, like, $50. Kind of like the, the, the 2023 version of Mr. Beast, right? Uh, back mm. in the day. Um, and those videos are, like, pretty popular in China. And I think it's, be- and like, when people just take the Western videos and then subtitle into Chinese, I feel like that's because it's very unusual for that to ever happen uh, in China. Whereas I feel like in the West, like, you could just get approached for, like, random reasons and like people are kind of used to reacting or responding on the street right so i think it's it's also like a different cultural thing so it might not be like people um are making fun of your chinese or anything it's just it might just be other reasons too that's all i'm trying to say oh yeah yeah i yeah
0: i i actually don't speak with like strangers i i mean i only speak with like clerks, store clerks or like waitresses, like I go to Chinese shops and I try to speak with them. I,
1: I love that you person. say that they're not strangers just because they work in a store or something. Oh
0: yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But like, you get what I mean? Like I don't stop people in the street. Mm-hmm. I don't have that
1: type of confidence.
0: I mean, confidence to speak to like uh, the cashier. Got it. But yeah, it. I, I yeah. do agree. I, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I also have um, friends that I call, there's actually a video game that I also use. It's kind of random. I heard there's a game called VR Chat. I don't know if you know it. It's like a kind of a weird game. It's like a virtual reality game. And I read online somewhere that like, oh, Chinese people use it to to hang out. So I like went on it and there's just like Chinese, like somehow I can connect to lobbies in China and I can just speak with people from actually from China. So... (laughs) Like, I'll literally, I've, I've spoken like to so the many people. like new chat
1: roulette, people. only it's like safe, right, for people <laughs> yeah, to use. Like, yeah,
0: like a meagle or something. Like, I, I've spoken to so many Chinese people who have, don't know one word of English. And I'm just like, it, it's the best way because I literally can't cheat. I have to use 100% Chinese words or they'll have no clue what I'm saying. So that, that stuff as well has helped a lot. Again, just, just confidence.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, well Harry thank you so much for talking to me today I feel like I've learned um, so much about you maybe a little too much <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I I say that in the in the most jokingest ways possible seriously it's it's really great talking to you and just kind of learning about a little bit of your slice of life and your Mandarin skills and uh, your magic YouTube uh, ascent I have no doubt that if you really wanted to you could get 100k and then then you have to figure out what where you want to go after that right do you want to get like 500k do you want to get the next plaque or a million or whatever but um uh but yeah like just just in terms of just real quick like what's the best place for people to find you on the internet where you would like to be found youtube harry mtg it's all that matters i love that i love that singular focus thank you so much harry for uh taking the time and uh have a great rest of the day thank you you too